So how many of you are like me and can't believe it's December? All right. It's like, what? December? Are you kidding me? I mean, I've had a lot going on, but seriously, it's December? And it's just, it's messed with my head. You know, and you're, you're stuck in kind of this family health crisis, everything else, and you wake up and it's December, and it's actually um, cold, if you didn't know, it's cold. Thanks for laughing. There's not much humor in this sermon, that's all I had. No, um, but, um, thank you for laughing at that. So with so much going on, but I've, I've just come with this question as I've been thinking over the last couple weeks about what's going on in my life. And here's the question I really wanted to pose for us today. What's the story I'm living this Christmas? You ask it for yourself too. What's the story I'm living this Christmas? And where does God fit into it? What's the story? Because, because of my dad's health crisis, and it's the second year in a row we've done this with our fathers, um, I just got a new kind of perspective as I've been preparing for Christmas with my family. Thinking about lots of things. And thinking about, you know, if life is a story, how intentionally am I trying to write my story or be open to the story that God wants to write in my life? What's the story I'm living this Christmas? So if you ask my kids about uh, the story they want to write this Christmas, it's one word. It's snow. Yesterday we bought tickets to go to Salt Lake uh, on the 27th. This is from a couple years ago. They are so pumped about going back to Salt Lake and playing in the snow. And so um, I know that's a big piece of it for them. For them, it's about um, getting ready for uh, Christmas and getting the Christmas tree on Monday night. I know for them, it's about lighting the Advent candles and doing our little devotional. For them, it's about singing Christmas songs over and over and over. The 12 days of Christmas, I'm kind of done with it. Nikki, I know you love the 12 days of Christmas. I'm kind of done with it, okay? Okay, sounds good. Anyhow, but that's where my kids are. They're so into every moment, and they want to write this awesome story for Christmas. Well, I heard a song on the radio. You all know it, because they've been playing Christmas songs since when? Halloween. And um, you know this song. Fill in the blank for me. It's the most blank time of the year. Okay, it's the most... Wonderful. Okay, if you wrote that song today, what would you put in the blank? Help me out. Wonderful. Stressful. It's the most stressful. There you go. Other words. Exhausting. Exhausting time. Others? Busy. Busy. Sad. Tiring. Cluttered. Oh, yes, ma'am. It's the most great it's the most great time of the year. Well done, Kate. Again, it's just a kid. I mean, not just a kid. It's a kid with hope. But for, for most of us, if we're honest, man, we would put maybe some hard words in there. The time is stressful. There's a lot going on. We're caught up. We're cluttered. We're just crushed in and probably so distracted from the, the real meaning of Christmas. So I think today God has an invitation for you to write a different word in there. Not for the sake of getting into the Christmas spirit, but for the, for the sake of Christ. To know that He's at the heart of it all. Because He came to change everything in this season. And if you're like me, you probably need to get over the next line. is It's the blank, blankiest season of all. <laughs> we won't even talk about that. All right? I want to have a new story written. Because if you're like me, there have been times I've kind of been stuck in a poor story. But God today wants us to know He comes with hope. And there are reasons we come with a tough story. We're stuck. But God comes with hope to say... He's all we need. Would you please pray with me? Jesus, we know we can only come to a day like today and actually reflect on the state of our hearts with your help, with the hope that uh, 
even though we have reasons for being stressed out and busy and discouraged and sad, you want to bring comfort, help, and healing. You want to bring hope. Lord, with this invitation to write a new story on our hearts, help us just see this, these moments, these days as blank pages that will make all the difference with our families, that will make all the difference with our friends, that will make all the difference in how we spend these days. Give us ears to hear, Lord Jesus. And now, may the meditation of our hearts together, the, the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight, Lord Jesus. Amen. So as I've been thinking about preparing, I've started with my dad. Gosh, I'm so pumped to go home and be with my dad because he's writing a new story. He's writing a new story. And then I'm thinking about, gosh, I'm seeing things different as a dad myself. And I want to prepare this Christmas in a new way. But I wasn't prepared for how I, I got rocked over the last couple re- weeks reading this book that really says to prepare is about seeing your life as a story. And about trusting that the Holy Spirit wants to show up and insect the story of God with, this, with my own story and help me see that there's a new story that can be written. The challenge came in a book by a guy named Don Miller. Anybody read Blue Light Jazz out there? Blue Light Jazz. More people should read it. A great book. One of the top five of the last ten years. It's good, isn't it, Tom? Excellent book. This is his newest book. It's called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. And let me read a couple of excerpts that he writes about your life as a story. Don writes, I wondered if life could be lived more like a good story in the first place. I wondered whether a person could plan a story for his life and live it intentionally. Once I understood the power of story in my personal life, I wanted to know more about how to create a good one. He goes on, You can call it God or conscience, or you can dismiss it as that intuitive knowing we all have as human beings, as living storytellers, but there is a knowing I feel that guides me toward better stories, toward being a better character. I believe there is a writer outside of ourselves plotting a better story for us, interacting with us even, and whispering a better story into our conscience. And he would say, that's God. And I would say, that's God. So over the last couple of weeks, I've just been thinking about what's it mean to reflect on the story I'm living, especially as I prepare for Christmas. Because it grabbed me, and this, this, this thought of story has everything to do with how we do prepare for Christmas. How we deal with the coming of the Messiah into our lives. And it's in, in, in terms of preparation, it's more important than the lights you'll put up. It's more important than the schedules that you'll figure out. It's more important than your shopping list. It is more important than licking stamps. This Christmas, how we prepare and see God inviting us into a new, new story is the most important thing of all. You know, at the time of Jesus, for hundreds of years, God's people had been waiting in expectation for a Messiah, God's anointed one. That there was this promise through the words of the prophets that God would act, that God would keep his promises, that his anointed one, the title of Messiah, the anointed one would come. It would be like a a priest like Aaron and a prophet like Moses and a king like David. And that he would come empowered by the Holy Spirit to deliver his people, to set things right. And God's people, they were getting beat up. So at the height of the Roman Empire, the expectations were so high. They were looking for something. A political leader, most of them, to set things right. You know, the word Messiah in the Old Testament comes up over 30 times. In the New Testament, the translation for anointed one 
is Christos, Christ. And John the Baptist came to prepare his way. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you flip open Luke chapter 3, and we're going to look at three scenes from the opening ministry of John the Baptist. Luke 3, we're going to start in verse 3. And we'll just read a little section and then reflect. We good? Starting in verse 3. So John went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. A voice of one calling out in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley will be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked paths shall become straight, the rough ways smooth. And all mankind will see God's salvation. This is a quote from Isaiah chapter 40. And this is what John the Baptist is saying. This is what I'm about. What what he's pointing to is we are getting ready. We are clearing the way for the coming king. We're making room for him. You know, in in ancient times when a a king would go out to parts of his, his empire, they would do road construction to make sure that the roads were smooth, that the path was straight before the king went out. And you and I, when they do road construction, we always love the end product, don't we? When they busted out an extra lane on the sunset and it was all smooth and paved, wow, paved up, we loved it. But during construction, we gripe and complain. Construction is messy time. And God wants to do construction in our lives to make a way for the coming king. He wants to fill in the potholes and, and level out the bumps. In our lives as well. And John's purpose was to prepare this news. You know, all of you, all the world would see, you need a Messiah. You need a Savior. And so he starts with these words about preparing the way. And then what does he do next? In his gentle John the Baptist way? Let's read on. Verse 7. Again, gentle John the Baptist. John said to the crowds, coming out to be baptized to him... By him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Hey guys, there's, it's construction time. There's bumps in these roads, we're going to flatten them out. There's potholes we're going to fill in. In your lives, you've messed up. You're snakes. You're all about the wrong stuff. Actually, you are writing poor stories. With your lives. You are writing poor, selfish, and greedy stories with your lives. His word, he was preaching word of repentance. Turn around. Turn around. Change your tune. Change your story. And it struck them in their hearts because they respond, What should then we do? What should then we do? And... John just says straight to him, Hey, if you've got enough, more than enough, share. If you're cheating people, stop cheating people. If you're extorting money, stop extorting money. Live lives. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And then the people were looking at John and wondering if he was the one. Verse 15, check it out. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might be the Christ. 
John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Was John the Christ? No, no, he set them straight. He said, I'm not the one, but I will tell you the good news. The, the one is coming. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to him. The good news is, man, you all need a savior. Savior, You all need someone to come and help you with your stories. Because on your own, your stories will be driven by greed. They'll be driven by selfishness. They'll be driven by this small picture of what your life's about. And God wants to come and expose that for what it is and show you that you need a Savior. And that He is inviting you into a new story. The greatest story of all. He was talking about the coming of Jesus. And the way was then prepared by John for his listeners, not just today, not just then rather, but also for today. We need a Savior. And we need to be prepared to receive Him. So how does your heart receive that good news today? Are you like the people who are hearing John initially and saying, Oh, what can we do? I know I got some messed up things going on. I got potholes. I got bumps in my road. Are we defensive and we just kind of tune out all together? No. <laughs> Five bucks coming your way, girl. Five bucks coming your way. Jesus invites us into a better story. Do you know what Peter calls Jesus in Acts chapter 4? The author of life. The author of life is writing a story and inviting you to be part of his story. To have your story intersect with his story. And if you've been at all been, been ever thought about um, the abundant life that he promises into our, existent, into our existence, it takes us beyond just having life that we'd say, Gosh, it's hard. I'm overwhelmed. I'm bored. I'm depressed. I'm hopeless. His abundant life is a true promise that he wants to bring into our story. If you've been reading along um, with the, the text this week, listen to the promises that are true when we let God write his story into our story. Romans chapter 8 says, God is with us and for us. Ephesians chapter 1 says, since the beginning of time, the story that's been written, you've been part of it. You've been included into it. Colossians chapter 2 says, you have been rescued from darkness. And then 1 Peter 3 says, Because of all those things, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have of anyone who asks you. These are the promises of God. When we open up to Jesus and say, I want you to help me write my story. I'm tired of being stuck. I want this new story. And you know how the Bible ends? At the end, at the end of Revelation, Jesus says, Behold, I'm coming soon. And there's a prayer that says, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And I want to challenge you today that I think when we initially read those, we think, uh, Jesus, at the very end of time. I think that's a prayer for every day, for me, for you. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come and help me, come and guide me, come and lead me, help me write a better story. So for you, for me today, how does this good news hit your heart? How do you respond to this question? What story... Will you write, will you live with your lives this Christmas as we prepare? If you can do me a favor, go ahead and take out your heart prayers.
and hold on to them for just a moment. Because I'm thinking about my own life and that, that question. You know, my dad right now, is, he's, he's living a new story. He's living a new story. He went home, he told Lisa on the phone, he says, I feel great for a dead guy. And he sent out this email. Um, every time I've talked to him, he's thanked me for our prayers. He sent out this email, and at the end of his email, he typed out the benediction. May the Lord bless, bless thee and keep thee. I mean, a benediction he remembers from his childhood. Make, make thy face shine upon thee and be gracious to thee. And he sent that email out to everybody who's been praying for him. That's, that's a new story for my dad. And someday I hope and pray he can come and share what's going on with him because it's amazing. For me, as I, I, I've, inter- I've been challenged by this thought of rewriting my story, I just recognize again, man, I need to confess that I am such a control freak in my life. And I would much rather look at other people's stories in my life and try to fix them than deal with my own story. Some of you are nodding because you know me well. I love you. Thanks for still loving me. And actually, if I've done that to you, man, I'm sorry. I'm trying to do better because God is, God's telling me, Lions, you've got your own story to write. Now I have a role to encourage my friends and say, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, I'm concerned about the story that you're writing right now. I can nudge people. But... God's challenging me to focus on the story that he wants me to write right now. So that's my dad. That's me. That's how we're trying to answer this question. For you, with that heart in your hand, how would you fill in your prayer as you prepare for the coming of the Messiah? And think about it in terms of this. If you were to start this prayer by saying, Jesus, help me write a new story about dot, dot, dot. Or if you were to start this prayer by saying, Jesus, help me write a new story of dot, dot, dot. What would you write in that heart? Has your heart prayer right now? What do you most need to ask God to help you with in writing this new story? We're going to have a little music and give you about two to three minutes to write that. Jesus, I need your help to write a new story for me. Write those out on your prayer cards.
it's my hope that just, just as John the Baptist came to say, hey, a way is getting ready, that maybe, and I trust it to be true, that today God's Spirit's been tugging at you in your heart saying, hey, let's make the way for me to come into your life, to come into your story in a new way. And I, and I actually, re- as we come forward for communion, we're going to drop these in the baskets. And the, the saddest thing in the world would be is if you drop this in the basket and you forget what you wrote. So here's my challenge to you. Are you going to attach what you wrote on this little heart or as you continue to figure out what that prayer is of your heart? You're going to attach this to a habit you do every day. Okay, look at me. When you brush your teeth, you pray this prayer. That means at least two times this week, David. I'm just kidding, okay? Okay, when you brush your teeth, God this week. Help me. I mean, it, you, you don't have to be understood in that room. Jesus will know your heart, okay? Attach it to a habit. And this week, make it to prayer every day. Jesus, I want you to be writing a story in my life. And I want to write a new story too by dot, dot, dot. Whatever the prayer of your heart is, we'll be dropping it in the box. Because you know what? I was thinking about it. Bad stories get contagious. It's called gossip. If you hear a bad story, it's contagious. Everybody talks about it. It's gossip. Right? Good stories are contagious. Good stories are contagious. And Jesus wants to write good stories into our lives. I'd like to finish tonight today with this, this great story that I heard several years ago that's changed how I've approached being a dad. It's a pretty good story to be thinking about, right? I heard it from this pastor. He was talking about a pastor friend of his. He was talking about blessing his children. And he said, you know, I, I was trying to get into some kind of habit or routine of praying for my kids. And so this is what the dad decided to do. He said, every night I was going to go in and put my hands on my children and pray a prayer of blessing. And it was actually like my dad's benediction, a pretty kind of old school, Lord, pray that you bless them and keep them, make your face shine upon them, kind of prayer, right? And so every day, from when his kids were tiny, tiny, he'd walk into their room and put his hands on them and pray and bless them. And I've been trying to do some of that as well in my own way. And when they're little, they love it. And then the kids started getting a little bit older for this pastor, and they were starting fighting it some. So he'd have to let them go to sleep, and then what would he do? He'd sneak in after their sleep, and he'd put his hands on them. He'd say, Lord, bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you, right? Day after day after day, writing this, writing this story into their lives, right? The story of God into their lives. Okay, the big day comes. He takes his daughter to college. Sorry, Bob, you should leave this room. Okay. Takes his daughter to college. He and his wife have the plan. We walk in, we carry the boxes, we set down the boxes, we meet the new roommate, we give her a hug, we turn and we walk straight to the car, we don't stop, we just drive away. Got it? They practice that plan over and over, mom and dad. Okay. So the plan is going exactly as they'd hoped. They walked in, met the new roommate, gave hugs, set down the boxes, go get them, kid. Proud of you. Turn around and start walking. They're walking. They're like, they can see their car. It's like six steps away. They're going through the parking lot. They see the car. And what happens next? Dad! Daddy, daddy! He turns around and he sees his daughter running at him. He's, oh, I'm so toast. And he runs up to, she runs up to her dad. She runs up to her dad. And you know what she says? She looks at him and she goes, Dad, you forgot to bless me. You forgot to bless me. He's just destroyed in the parking lot. Puts his hand on her head, touches her and says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. And he's bald, just dehydration. 
that dad took seriously the invitation of God in his life to write a story of love, a blessing into his child. And it changed him. And it's changing me. And this is one tiny way in which God wants to blow our socks off and saying, let me write with you a new story. Maybe this is a new season. Maybe by God's Spirit, we can actually come to a place where we can say, you know what? It is the most wonderful time of the year. Amen. Would you please pray with me? Father, I just know that uh, we can't do any of this on our own. But that your promises are true, and they're always yes and amen in the person of Jesus. And so this isn't just about receiving Jesus once at Christmas time. This is about every day saying that prayer, Come, Lord Jesus. And being open to your spirit to be nudged to be writing a good story. I pray wherever each of us are at that we would see where our story's kind of stuck and that we would turn to you and know you want to write a new story. Because all of our hope is in you, Jesus, Messiah. Be our hope this day and each and every day. In your name we pray. Amen.